0: Welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we're going to be covering what the Calvinists call the golden chain of salvation. And this is coming from Romans 8, 29 through 30. And this is one of their favorite verses. They, they like to make much ado about this verse. This is what they say. Romans 8, 29 through 30 features the sequence known as the golden chain of salvation. The invulnerable order in which our creator saves his people. And so they, they read a lot into this verse. They they put a lot of metaphysical stock in this, per se. But we're going to take a look at these words and see if their meaning, we can we can pull that meaning out just by a face value reading of this. And we'll read their meaning first so you know that this is legit, what they believe about this. This is their salvation metaphysics. First, God foreknows his people. This does not mean that the Lord looks down the quarters of time and foreknows something about us such as the decision we will make when we hear the gospel. He does, of course, know these things, but that these things are, in a sense, incidental. When Paul says God foreknew us, he is speaking of God's knowledge of us as persons. He is speaking of his decision to enter into a relationship with us, to set his love on us. It is because he chose to love us that when we believe Only those whom God chooses to love in this special way can be saved, and all those whom he has chosen to love in this way will be saved. Dr. R.C. Sproul comments in his book Romans, We could reasonably translate this text. Those whom he foreloved, those whom he knew in a personal, intimate, and redemptive sense from all eternity, he predestined. I, I like how they just, they grab a word and they just keep throwing stuff on that. This word has this definition, and uh, since that definition is not specific enough, we'll throw in more words on top of that. Predestined is choosing. Oh yeah, from all eternity, and they'll put it into their lexicons too. So you're reading like a Calvinist lexicon. They'll say this word means God has been chosen things from all eternity for from everlasting. Where do you get that? Where do you get? We have we have all the usages of those words. In ancient times, we have index locations in uh, secular works. We have index locations in biblical works. We could go check to see if your definition is true. And it, it, here's a, here's a, here's the a spoiler alert. Spoiler: They're not. They're not accurate. They just make things up and they put them in these lexicons. Going on, the Lord's predestination of us ensures His call and justification of us, and that in turn ensures our final glorification. We are entirely in God's hands from eternity past. He chose to love us, to declare us righteous in Christ, and to adopt us. All those whom God justifies will be glorified. If we are in Christ now, we are in him forever. Look at, look at all that baggage. Look at all their baggage that they just import onto that verse. But uh, we'll read it and we'll see if it means what they claim. Let's start with Romans eight twenty seven to get a little bit of context. Now, he that searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Uh-oh, that doesn't sound like a Calvinistic uh, verse. The spirit communicates information to God about us, to convey our needs to God. There's a transfer of information. This is going against their entire narrative. That everything is eternally foreknown. From eternity past. It's not what's going on in these verses. And so what is going on in these verses. These people are worried about. They they might not know what to pray for. To God. And so God has a mechanism. To accurately communicate information to him. About their needs. They don't have to worry about that. God God so much wants to take care of us. God is anticipating our needs before we ourselves know our needs. That's what's going on here. Paul is setting up a personal relationship between his audience and God. Romans 8, 29. This is the start of that golden chain. For whom he foreknew. That word foreknew, that looks pretty familiar. I think uh, other people use it elsewhere in the Bible. Let's do a little search. Here's Paul using it in Acts. And he's talking about the Jews and the Jews which knew me from the beginning. The Jews knew Paul from the beginning. The Jews are omniscient and existed at the beginning of the creation of the world. Oh, no, that's not what it means at all. He's just saying these Jews had a past history with me and we had uh, familiarity interaction. Me and the, these Jews existed at the same time previous to this point, and, and there's been some interaction. So we've talked to each other and they know who I am based on experience with me Prior to this point, ha, huh. Second Peter three seventeen. Therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, beware lest you also be led astray with the error of the wicked. What's this? This foreknowledge that these people have? He says you're you've had a history with this. You got you guys understand this. You've been exposed to this. Uh, you know this before this period of time. You have familiarity with his concepts. So this word foreknowledge. And in the context of other verses that we have, it's just a past familiarity with, a past history with something. All right, let's start over in the verse. For whom he had a past history with, he also predestined. Ah, predestined. That's an interesting word. Let's see how the ancient world uses this word. Is it uh, going to be in the way of our uh, little friends over here, the, the Calvinists with their golden chain and God picking things from all eternity? Oh no! What's this? Here's Clement. Clement's a Christian, right? And so he's using the word, the second in order, and not any less than this. He says is, "Thou shall love thy neighbor as thyself." Consequently, God above thyself, and on his interlocutor inquiring, "Who is my neighbor?" He did not, in the same way as the Jews, specify the blood relation, or the fellow citizen, or the proselyte, or him that had been similarly circumcised, or the man who uses one and the same law. So the Jews predestined something. What, what are they actually doing? They're defining something. They're setting up something. They're specified something. Uh, the question is, who's my neighbor? And the Jews say, hey, it's the blood relation, or a fellow citizen, or a proselyte who wants to come to God. These are your neighbors. They're predestining that. They're, they're specified. There's also an interesting use by Plutarch. Let so much suffice for general occasion of freedom of speech. There are also particular occasions which our friends themselves furnish that one who really cares for his friends will not neglect but make use of. So that's the word furnish. It means to specify, to decide something, to to define something. That's what's going on. So that, go back to the golden chain. Let's keep reading. We'll start start over in the verse with our new concepts. For whom he had a previous relationship with, he also specified to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay, so the people who he had past history with, he chose that these individuals are going to be conformed and, and uh, raised just like Jesus did. That sounds pretty common sense to me. Romans eight thirty. Moreover, whom he had a prior history with, these he also called. You do a text search on called. You're going to have, find people calling someone's name, uh, calling out to people. You know, it, it's just a beacon. It's a call. And so we'll go with that. These he also called. So the people who he has a history with, the ones that he's decided that he wants these people to be raised like Jesus. Um, these are the people that he's calling. He's calling out to them. And whom he called, these he also justified. Let's do a text search on justified. Matthew twelve thirty seven. For by thy words thou shalt be justified. Huh, that's interesting. Luke 7, 28. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. Hmm. Luke 10, 29. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? someone's justifying themselves they they're putting a defense for themselves they're they're trying to make themselves look right that's what justified is it's just uh, a right standing or it's uh putting up a defense for actions or or uh, or putting yourself in a right standing in front of people let's look at uh, Luke 16:15 and he said unto them you are they which justify yourselves before men but God knows your hearts, and so these these people are justifying themselves before men. They're they're making themselves look more pure, more righteous than they actually are. They're they're saying that I'm a good guy, and they're putting on a false sense of uh, righteousness. We'll, we'll say, and so that that's what the word means. So so far we got the people that God has a prior history with, that they existed at the same time and interacted. Uh, these people, he's specified to a specific action. And then he also called these people and then justified them. And he made gave them right standing, argued on their favor. And uh, these he also glorified. Let's go do a text search just in Romans. Just in Romans because Paul is writing this in Romans. Let's see how this word is used elsewhere in Romans. Romans one twenty one, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. So these are people we are glorifying God or not glorifying God. People glorify God. And uh, in Romans 8, God glorifies people. Moving on, Romans 11, 13. For I speak to you Gentiles in so much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify, that's glorify, I glorify my office. Oh, so you're you're elevating something, you're, you're glorifying it, you're praising it. Romans 15, 9. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Oh, so the Gentiles are glorifying God. So we glorify God, God glorifies us. That's just a raising up, that's a praising. And Calvinists don't like this. The Calvinists don't think that God praises us for for us. The, The Calvinist doesn't like the idea that God finds value in people. But that's what this is talking about, that God finds value in his people. He glorifies man. He praises man. He sings over us as uh, what Zephaniah says. All right. So real quickly, all the way to the beginning, for whom he had a previous relationship with, he specified to be conformed to the image of his son, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren, which are the people he had a prior relationship with. Moreover, whom he had a relationship with, these he also called, whom he called, these he also called offered a defense for a um, made righteous and a righteous standing these he also praised oh okay that does that doesn't sound anything like what the calvinist had on their uh, website about this golden chain of salvation that's invulnerable and and it's, it's this it's this complicated metaphysical chain of events no this just it sounds pretty normal to me and what's his context What is Paul's overall point? Is he he saying, guys, hang tight. I'm going to explain to you the metaphysics of salvation. Is that his point? In context, is that what's going on? No. First of all, he says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Synergy, synergy, work together. This is in 28. And this is after the Spirit makes intercession for us to God. Two non-Calvinist things: you got the synergy, and you got God gaining information. But what is the overall point of both of those things? God's not going to abandon us. God is going to stick with us. God has plans for us. God has this golden chain. This is these are reassurances that we're not going to be forgotten and left behind. And uh, in in this passage, it talks about people dying neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come neither height or depth or any other created things shall be able to separate us from the love of god so people are going to be dying people are going to be taking extreme personal tolls and what this passage is doing is it's a reassurance to us that god's not going to abandon us god's not going to just leave us out to dry and that's what the very next verse after this golden chain, that that's what it reinforces. Romans 8.31 What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God has plans for us. God has a relationship with us. God's not going to abandon us. That's the point of this. This is not a metaphysical teaching about the, the invulnerable me- means of salvation, uh, Calvinist uh, golden chain, the invulnerable order in which our creator saves his people that's not what it's talking about that's not what it's about not what it's about it's not soteriology or anything like that it's just a normal confirmation statement that god is going to be faithful to his people that's what's going on there all right. If you like this uh, podcast, this mini cast, and not not, uh, not too long, if you like this minicast, just leave a comment or start a thread. on God is open. Thanks for listening. Wow, that was a lot of fun. I think we proved our point today that TikTok is a Nazi, and that's really the main point of this video. Hope you guys enjoyed. Smash like if you enjoyed, and uh, make sure that you enjoyed. <laughs>